As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Sports Drink Network. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. And Nick, as usual, joins me from the Houston Outpost. The Steelers run the record to 6-8 and eight with a 24-16 victory over the Carolina Panthers. Nick, did you ever have one of those? Well, we play the same fantasy football team, but you know those games where we just Rare games when you beat up on somebody 180 to 50 points, you just wish, could we just reserve some of those extra points that's kind of the way I was feeling about the game yesterday, at least at the beginning, when we're just rolling up this this rushing attack. That we just wanted to save some of that productivity for future games. For the playoffs, right? Yeah, for the playoffs. Precisely. I think it reminds me of when the Steelers have played the Panthers in the past, like the Thursday night game that they played with the sky cam angle a, a few years back when the Steelers were wearing the color rush I guess T.J. Watt killed Cam Newton's career, and the Steelers just demolished the Panthers, ending the game in the first quarter. I didn't think the Steelers would have a dominating game all year, and obviously it ended up closer than it may appear by the end of the Panthers game, but they did sort of dominate. The theme of the game is definitely the run game for the Steelers, and I guess what I take from this the most is uh, this was there was no intrigue to this game whatsoever. If you think of a flaccid game, it's the 5-8 and eight Panthers versus the 5-8 and eight Steelers with the Steelers having Kenny Pickett not playing just because that's what you're really interested in as a Steelers fan or a football fan in general is seeing if Kenny Pickett can slowly make his progression, slowly do what Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are doing. I know those are, t- those are two high bars to compare it to, but you see these young quarterbacks all of a sudden snap and all of a sudden become really good players. And that's what you want to see as a Steelers fan. And so with him out of the game, it seemed like it was going to be really boring. You weren't really going to get a judge if the Steelers are improving or not, but couldn't have been more wrong because the running game was the star of the show, and you got to think that's only going to help him going forward. And it was, it was cool to watch Najee, Jalen Warren, and the offensive line do their thing. Look, I don't care how that game lined up and whether it appeared boring, was boring, or – that's what people were going to think. It's still better than even the finals of the World Cup to me. And I realize going into 22 overtimes is a big deal. And it was a fantastic game. And by the way, your sister and brother-in-law were, were all about it and kind of noisy. And I just couldn't wait for them to get off of Fox so I could watch the pregame. Yeah, that is the hilarious thing. Uh, once it went into the final overtime or once it went into the, to the shootout, I was watching with a couple friends. And there was just silence 
just in the conversation at that moment. I said, okay, well, if the Steelers are playing the Panthers, can we change the channel now? And I was partially not kidding. Look, this is the NFL. This is the king. Soccer, soccer. No, that was amazing. If soccer was played like that all the time, I would watch more often. That The last few minutes of that game were incredible, but not as incredible as watching Najee Harris stiff-arm people into the ground. Not as incredible as watching Alex Highsmith continue to make basically another million dollars per game on his inevitable contract extension, which the Steelers will give him. I'll be shocked if they don't. I mean, they might have to franchise tag him, which would suck, but with another inside spin move sack, it's incredible. So really cool game from the Steelers. And by the way, the Bears lose again. So the Bears are holding the overall second pick in the entire NFL draft. The Steelers don't have that pick, but by virtue of owning the second pick in the draft overall, the Bears own the second pick in the second round, which is pick, what, 34? So that'll be the Steelers as well. So anybody who's upset with the Steelers winning games, I think that's the wrong step to take because clearly the Steelers are in a rebuilding year and clearly they are actually building, right? And and you still get the joy of having a draft pick that that keeps rising up. You got to root for the Bears to lose. That's what you got to do and they keep doing that. Chase Claypool has had like four catches since he's been over there. That's pretty amazing. And and yeah, I don't know, Dad, I guess we can quickly outline the themes of the game to keep this organized, but my last sort of thought on the Steelers' rebuild and how we have turned our perspective on what we want for this season, look at the Patriots. Obviously, the Patriots are in a rebuild as well. And for some reason, there's Steelers fans who are gnashing their teeth. I saw a a prominent Steelers, he's a semi-troll, a bit, radio show host kind of guy, say when Marcus Allen had that penalty for the Steelers yesterday when he walked in the other team's huddle and was jawing. He said this would never happen to, and I hate saying this because I hate this guy, uh, this would never happen to Bill Belichick's players. And I'm laughing like, how do you, I mean, I guess he put that tweet out, you know, hours before this happened in real life, but one of Bill Belichick's players yesterday, Jacoby Myers, a great player for them, made the dumbest football play since the butt fumble yesterday in a tie game with zero seconds left on the clock lateraling the ball pointlessly backwards 20 yards directly into the hands of a Raiders defender, Chandler Jones, who stiff-armed Mac Jones and ran into the end zone to win the game. A pointless lateral backwards. So it is hilarious. You're holding the Steelers to this insane standard that doesn't exist. Even the great Bill Belichick lost his Hall of Fame quarterback, lost his entire offensive line, most of his defensive captains, all of his offensive skill position players. It's going to take a few years to build that back up. The only time it doesn't take a few years to build up is when you still have Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger in their prime. Then it can be a two-year turnaround. But when you're looking at the Steelers winning or losing games this year, you want them to win games. Because if you look at the Patriots, let's use them as our direct comparison, the vibe around that team is not high. Their defense is good, but the offense is sort of rudderless. And the, the vibe around that team is sort of, I don't know if this offense is even going to work. Is the quarterback good? Do they need to tear it down with the play caller? Obviously, that happens in Pittsburgh too. But they don't have many stars to, to lay their hat on or whatever. That doesn't make any sense. But, you know, it, whereas with the Steelers, you're seeing some consistency out of George Pickens, Najee Harris, the offensive line, Jalen Warren. And you're starting to see shades of what the Steelers could become next year if they allocate 
allocate their resources correctly, which is there could be an element finally of a battering run game in Pittsburgh, and that's really encouraging. So just uh, take a little closer look at the numbers. Najee had his most attempts this season with 24. His previous high was a couple of games with 20. He got 86 yards, and I, I didn't realize that this at the time, but now that I'm looking at it, he's only he only was running for three a little over three and a half yards a carry, and it, it seemed like more because he was just sort of battering into the line. I mean, he, he had a long of 10, and he had a couple like that. So I was a little surprised to see his average was down. But he did get, you know, he is a workhorse. He got 24 carries. I think the more exciting thing is that Jalen Warren, he also had kind of three and a half yards of carry. But, man, change of change of pace back, right? You've got this dynamic duo now, and it feels like between them and the coalesce, coalescence of the offensive line is really emerging. I think that's what you're saying. We're seeing this, pro, this more than incremental progress. For sure. So if we... Basically segue that into themes. The first theme, if we haven't made it obvious enough, is the run game is looking good in Pittsburgh, and it can only go up considering they don't even have an an abundance of talent on the offensive line, even though that offensive line is playing well. We said the second theme is sort of a continuation off of that, and the Steelers' draft and free agency needs are being solidified based on – players that are performing well in areas that need to be improved. And then the third theme, I would say the Steelers do have a really promising star nucleus of young players on defense because obviously Cam is, is not one of the young players, but Cam, TJ, and Alex Highsmith all had sacks. Minka has been probably the team MVP to this point, and Terrell Edmonds had a fantastic game. So you're looking at a really solid core on defense. So I guess let's just wrap the things up with the run game. I think you pretty much – covered it but I'm one to say sometimes I get frustrated with the Steelers yearning for the past and wanting to return to hey we're going to win games with defense and running the ball because as I sort of say ad nauseum on the podcast you can't really do it that way anymore with the way that the rules are made because the Steelers they used to run the ball and then when you're playing defense you can murder people You can maim them. You can scare them. You can make sure they don't throw the ball across the middle because Ryan Clark's there or or Lee Flowers, for that matter. You know, you you lose so much of your ability to play defense in this current era. So sometimes I think that's a fruitless endeavor. But I want to say, sort of like with me being upset about the Kenny Pickett pick when they made it, I might be getting proven wrong in that area. And there's sort of an asterisk because – I still think that you have to build offense first, but I'm just really fascinated on how the Steelers are building this run game that is not like efficient. It's just a battering ram. It's not the 49ers or the Rams with these beautiful outside zone schemes, even though the Steelers are employing more of that. It's more returning to the Jerome Bettis days where it's going to be barely four yards a carry. I think the bus averages 3.9, four yards a carry for his career. But it was volume, right? And the, and the theory was the more carries he got in the game, the better he got, the better he performed. And obviously you said that for any running back, but it was different for Pittsburgh Steelers football. It, it was obvious when you watched the bus, if he was able to get a certain amount of carries, it became inevitable that the Steelers were going to steamroll over teams. And I've said in past weeks that 
The biggest change for Najee Harris since the bye week, besides the big obvious one of getting healthy, I mean, a Liz Frank injury is one of the most difficult injuries to play on, so we really can't underplay that. But the biggest difference is, difference is he's realized now that he's Jerome Bettis and he's not Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell obviously had the benefit of a really good offensive line, but he also has a little bit more short area quickness, whereas Najee is so strong. He's the strongest player on the field outside of the linemen, and he has really quick feet, and he needs to remember it needs to go in that direction or that order, right? Jerome Bettis, they always say, well, obviously he's a power back. Look at him. He's, he's a chubster. It was a hilarious sight to behold. So, of course, we know that he's a power back, and then you would add the part about having quick feet, which he did have. Najee realizing that and learning how to just run people over and run straight, when you pair that with Jalen Warren, who gets shot out of a cannon, and I don't even think he can turn. I don't think he's even able to turn. It's a really effective running tack because it has an identity. And it, it's consistent. And basically, the Steelers are bludgeoning you over the over the head with that style over and over again. So the fact that they have two running backs who, who can do that, and I hope they pick up another one in the offseason, if they can get some real talent on the offensive line, some upper-tier talent, like you know, you talked about Pouncey and DeCastro and getting those types of guys, this, line, this team could go very far offensively because you obviously know with the receiving core, the tight end, they have some really encouraging playmakers there as well. Who would you change on the offensive line? What would, your, what would your priority be? Okay. The tackles are below the line, but that's such a weird one because the Steelers haven't drafted a tackle in the first round in 50 years, it feels like. I don't know. They don't really value that position um, that much. I would hope that they would make that switch this year because that's the obvious ones. Nobody's playing like crap, but you could use some more there. But I do think that James Daniels looks like from all reports, look, we're not breaking down offensive line tape every week. Um, but when you fall, you have some great falls like Alex Kazora or Farbaugh or um, Derek or these guys. From all reports, it looks like James Daniels, the pickup from Chicago, he had a rough offseason. Well, he turned that around. He seems to be the player that we all hoped he would be, the Pro Bowl caliber player. So, And I know Mason Cole is playing better at center, and he's also been playing hurt, and you have paid him. But the way I sort of look at it, I mean, I'd be shocked if they took a center. They're not going to, right? But – the way I look at it is James Daniels should be locked in in any other position you could take it, whether it's guard, a tackle, or even a center, a swing center who can play tackler guard. Um, that's the beauty of where the Steelers are in. There's an advantage of that because they could take whichever lineman they want. I really think it is a rare situation where you could take best player available at offensive line. Okay, so it's up. Do you have any qualms, not qualms, I guess, nervousness that the Steelers are going to overthink this and say, ah, look, the offensive line's doing great. Yeah, so if we're officially moving into the second segment here, which was a nice transition there, um, which I sort of butchered, but um, the second segment will be the Steelers' draft needs, and I think it is just inarguably, unarguably, inarguably, Dad, line? Yep, 210, 220, whatever it takes. There you go, nice. It's the offensive line. You have to take an offensive lineman, and I am very nervous that the Steelers will get cute and they'll go back to their roots of being addicted to drafting defensive players because the Steelers do have defensive line needs. 
they do have needs at inside linebacker. But as I've said repeatedly on the podcast all year, you have to prioritize offense now. And here are the three re- reasons why. Number one, you have the rules have changed the game so that you have to play through your offense first. Once you have a good offense, then you can go and build a good defense. Or you can get lucky and build a good defense at the same time. But the rules just prohibit the Ryan Clarks and the Troy Palomalus from killing people. There's way too many roughing the passer penalties. I know they're down and everything, but the corners can't touch the receivers. It is really tilted in favor, in favor of the offense. So build offense first. That's the first reason why they need to um, build this offense line. The second reason is because Kenny Pickett might become a really good offense, uh, might, might become a really good quarterback. I know the numbers are down, but we could talk about Kenny all day long. I think that for you, our purposes on this podcast, we'd agree it's looking so far so good for Kenny. A lot of other things need to come together, but you are going to be pot committed to him for at least next year. Now, even though he can become a good quarterback, the odds are unbelievably long for him to become a Ben Roethlisberger quality quarterback in which Ben Roethlisberger possessed elite traits in spades, the elite arm and accuracy and the size and then the scrambling. I know Kenny's a better runner past line of scrimmage, but Ben's scrambling, the scramble to throw was elite. Given that fact, you're going to need to make sure, you can't just have the luxury of, we'll take another year off of building the offensive line because Ben will just, he'll cover up for that. Aaron Rodgers will cover up for that. Right? You have to make sure that you take that offensive line and that offensive supporting cast around Kenny and prioritize it because he's not going to be Mahomes or Allen or maybe this Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields where he's just going to be able to carry people. And then the third reason why you need to prioritize offensive line is because what the Panthers game has shown us and what every game since the bye has shown us is there is a glimmer of hope that the Steelers may be able to establish a dominant run game. The Steelers are running the ball this well without a single star player on the offensive line. If you give them a star player, you see what happens with, or you saw what happened with Pouncey and DeCastro and what that line turned into. And they were a great run blocking team as well. But of course, the pass blocking, they gave up maybe 15 sacks a year max when Ben was, was, was humming there. So we have seen enough information to, to indicate that if the Steelers invest a little bit more and the talent in that run game, they could truly start bludgeoning people. So I hope they don't get too cute. This past draft, they focused much more heavily the past few drafts on offense, so that gives me hope that they won't just go back to the de facto, hey, we're just going to draft defense every time because we have all these Hall of Fame offensive players already. All right, I get the theme, I think it, uh, but it does bear noticing, since we, we don't want to focus too much on the game, but Trubisky was 17 for 22, aptly managed the game, um, had three first down runs, actually, and technically I think he had two touchdowns. They didn't they didn't give him credit for the first uh, quarterback sneak into the end zone, but he followed that up with a leap. The interesting thing to me, Deontay was 10, 10 targets, 10 receptions for 98 yards. So he had a game. He had 98 yards, but he probably had 110 yards, except for one play where he, you know, he looped around and did gain a couple that generally loses one yard. He has negative yak. But anyway, great day for him. Pickens was only targeted five times, and he had two receptions for 53 yards. He had a long of 38. That high point catch 
was like, how did you describe that yesterday? That's like your dad playing street football with you when you're in third grade. Yeah, because yeah, not only does he high point it, he didn't even jump. He puts no, his hands up. No, he reached up. over. Yeah, he Spider-Maned it. He puts his – he's the anti-Chase Claypool, right? We always get so angry at Claypool for jumping, falling backwards, and alligator-arming balls into his chest. Pickens keeps running straight, puts his arms up into the air. The, as high as he can, he extends his 6'4 frame, so what, he's 10 feet tall at that point. The instant that the ball gets to his hands, he squeezes it. He's got that, those Odell Beckham Jr. hands, the DeAndre Hopkins hands. It's done. He's holding the ball 10 feet in the air, and it doesn't move. And then, furthermore, he keeps running with his hands above his head, and he holds the ball above the corner's head. I know Mike Williams is a great one in, um, in, in, San, geez, in Los Angeles for the Chargers as well, but his ball skills are unbelievable. We're going to complain about his George Pickens' lack of targets for the rest of the season, but he's going to get more going into next year. For sure. They're, they are trying to keep the train moving at this point. He'll be even more nuanced next year. As long as he gets one of these bombs every game, I think he'll be happy. He's sort of filling the role of the Mike Wallace, Sammy Coates, Martavis Bryant. Hey, you go straight and catch it. Now, he's not outrunning everybody and, and catching the ball and running for 70-yard touchdowns, but he, he does fulfill the role in the Mike Tomlin, really the Ben Roethlisberger offensive. Hey, we need one guy who's going to run downfield. And I love that Trubisky launch. Awesome pass by Trubisky. And I think Kenny has that great chemistry with, with, with Pickens as well. So you know you have to give him one throw down the sideline like that per game. Obviously, he's amazing. Um, just to touch on Mitch and Deontay real quick. Mitch, I don't think that he's going to get too much love on the open market. He hasn't been great as a starter. Those three interceptions will really help the Steelers in retaining him. Obviously, Mason Rudolph wants to get out of town. He said... I basically said, I love th this team. Well, I love my teammates, he said in an interview this week. So, obviously, he, he wasn't given a fair shake. He should have been the bridge quarterback this year, right? But I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Mitch, if you keep him in town as the Charlie Batch, as the Byron Leftwich, that would be excellent. Because we saw what happened last week when he tried to let it rip. He would throw eight out of nine passes, were laser beams, and they'd be actually pretty spectacular. First-round-looking passes. And then he just telegraphs the hell out of it to a guy in the middle of the field and throws it right to the defender three times in a row. So he strikes me as Byron Leftwich, Charlie Batch, former first-round picks who, aren't, who don't really have the juice to be the starter. But as a backup, when they play within themselves like they did this week, because Tomlin clearly said, hey, we're going to start Rudolph if you, don't, if you keep throwing the ball to the other team. He said, okay, I won't do it anymore. He still took enough shots like the one to Pickens, but... He played within himself. He's athletic. He's composed. It would be great to have him in town as the backup uh, for the next few years, and I don't think that he's going to get poached away. So we'll see what his market will be, but that's all that told me um, in that game is the Steelers are kind of starting to, to, to build the team the way they've always built the team, and Deontay Johnson would be that volume catch guy. The only thing you worry about with Deontay is, it's like, does he need the 10 catches to be good? And when he gets three or four catches, is he going to catch one and run backwards and lose 10 yards? Or he seems to do better when he gets volume catches. And, you know, Pickens doesn't need that. If he has two, two catches, he's not going to do something stupid. But I was happy to see Deontay involved because we love Pickens. Even when he's not open, he's open. But you do see the catches, right? There's always somebody on him.
it really helps to have a guy like Deontay Johnson who's running all kinds of crazy routes from the outside, from the slot, and then you have your super perimeter guy in Pickens, and then you have your Heath Miller in, in Fryermuth. So very good to see Deontay get involved. Very good to see Pickens get another highlight catch. Hopefully that keeps both of them happy. In the last couple minutes we have here, let's just turn our attention to the third theme, which is the defense and the actually great nucleus, right? So the Steelers, again, we're playing the Panthers, so not world beaters, but they held the Panthers to 209 offensive yards, only 21 on the ground. And the Panthers have been pounding the ball on the ground. So actually, that's that's not a bad stat. That that wasn't against the Patsy team who can't run the ball. Agreed. So that was pretty, pretty um, average holding them to 1.3 yards per carry. So they, it's not as if the Panthers weren't trying. Yeah, exactly. It was impressive. And the Panthers have a good defensive front, too. So that speaks to what the Steelers did on offense. But here's my quick thoughts on the defensive nucleus. I, we'll check this out for next week. Is Cam Sutton up after this year? Do they need to, to re-sign him already? I know this was – I think he got a three-year deal. Talk fast while I, I look sure it up. Will do. But I guess what I'm trying to say is this. The Steelers need to sign Highsmith. That's going to be a big money deal. Talked about it last week on the podcast. I want to say Bud was getting like $16 million per year annually, and Highsmith is even better than Bud, so you're probably going to have to pay Highsmith around 20 a year. You just have to do it. This is why you took Kenny Pickett. And once again, I don't want to offend anybody with Kenny. Like I'm a Kenny fan right now. I'm really rooting for him, and I actually am very encouraged, and I think that the signs are lining up that he's going to be good. But you didn't wait. You didn't take Malik. You didn't take these superstar talented quarterbacks. To, you took a quarterback so you could have a quarterback on a rookie deal, right? Let's spend over the cap. Let's do the void years. They're trying to win the Super Bowl. Sign Highsmith. If you have two edge rushers, that alone makes a defense, especially in this NFL where you got to build up the offense, and if you can build some leads – or whatever, or just keep them in games with the offense. Just make big plays with the defense. And if you have two, if you have the best edge rushing tandem in the league, which is what it would be in competition for, that's a lot of sacks. That's a lot of strip sacks. That's a lot of forced early throws for Minka Fitzpatrick to pick off. So High Smith has just been spectacular this whole year. He was spectacular again. You have to sign him. I don't care what it is. A franchise tag will be very disappointing. I would think that the Steelers are going to try to sign him. They were not successful in doing that with Bud, but remember, they had Ben Roethlisberger's contract at that time. They had Stephon Tewitt's contract at that time. So now they have TJ's contract to worry about, and they have other things. But my point is, spend up. this is the exact situation we were talking about when they drafted Kenny. This is the luxury spend that you got to make. And the other guy you got to pay is Terrell Edmonds because keeping him together with Minka will be huge. The value at that position is very cheap. I know he, he earned himself some more money, but it just seems like safeties don't get paid in the open market. Again, void years, spend up to the cap, keep Terrell Edmonds, and then your one good cornerback is Cam Sutton, and he's such a stealer. And we know that there's a chance the Steelers may go corner in the first round, and look, I'll be pissed because I want them to draft the offensive line, but if there's some crazy value for a corner, it would be, it'd be hard to, to argue against that. But I guess I'm just trying to say corner's a huge need. You have a guy in the building right now who's very good. So if they could just keep those guys, we could figure out the defensive line. And, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Highly paid defense. Larry Ogunjobi was awesome. Can you keep him? Obviously, they're not going to let Cam go anywhere. But when I just look at Highsmith, 
Edmonds and Sutton and the way they played. I think people don't give the Steelers enough credit for the guys outside the big name superstars, Minka, Cam, and TJ. Yeah, so Cam is signed a two-year contract. He goes on some voidable years starting next year, so you're right, they're going to have to find a contract for him. Otherwise, other than Terrell, they don't, I mean, the backfield, or the defensive back secondary, I'm not too concerned about. But you know what, the defensive line, Ogunjobi, I know Alu's probably done it no matter what, yeah. but Chris Wormley's up, and I think, you you know, I'd like to retain he him. He's ACL, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. You just got to hope that you're going to see DeMarvin Leal play. What is it? What do they got? Three more games? Four more games, Max? It's not really a lot of time to, to take a look. And they're going to really be gambling a lot on Leal working out because that one has to. Yeah. Well, he goes out until 2080. So he's got some He's got some tread on him. And Loudermilk's got a couple more years, too. So hopefully they materialize right. and can step up. All anyway, right. next week we are Christmas Eve against the Raiders, eight fifteen Eastern. Fifty year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Both the Raiders and the Steelers coming off of wins. Both the Raiders and the Steelers in playoff contention. If you consider a point five percent of playoff contention, of you know, legit. But the game will mean something. I do think the Steelers will have a tough time against the Raiders. Now McDaniel's has the Steelers' number offensively over the years. It ha- They're not the well-oiled machine that the Patriots eventually were, right? That's such a complicated system. It takes years to learn, but I feel like Carr has played well against the Steelers. McDaniels played well against the Steelers. They can run the ball. They can pass deep. I saw Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro were activated off of the IR this week, so I actually think that... Is it home or away, Dad? Did it's you- at home. Okay, thank God. If it were away, it would be an automatic loss, right? If the Steelers play at the Raiders, it's done. So I don't know if Kenny's going to play or not. I hope he does. Um, I do think this will be a tricky one for the Steelers to win. I'm not saying that they won't win it, but I'm just looking at a lot of factors where it's tough for the Steelers to win games where they don't – you know, it's tough for the Steelers to score 24 points. Let's just say that. And I think that the Raiders will have a good matchup on the Steelers. So Yeah, it'll be good to – it'll actually – It'll be a good It'll be a good test. It'll be a good test to see if this this running game is real and all the things we see, all the arrows pointing north actually are not because Definitely. of the opponent. We can we can step it up. So and I think the Steelers do well in these like emotional games. Hey, it's Frank Franco's day. Franco. Franco. Yeah. Come on, Franco. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers and Merry Christmas. Okay, bye bye.